0: This is another episode of the podcast, Live It Full. Welcome to another edition of the Live It Full podcast. I am Richard. This is Caitlin. We are in the Live It Full studio today. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Make sure and subscribe, take a screenshot, share with your friends on all the social media because that's what all the cool cats do. Hey, today we're going to talk about one corner of our life ethos um, of faith, family, finance, and fitness. We're going to talk a little bit about finances. Now, we are not giving financial advice. I'm going to give that disclaimer. We are going to give you guidelines and things that we personally do because past performance is not indicative of future results. Is that what they say in the industry? Um, But we want to talk to you a little bit about what we do as a family and what works for us. Um, And there's actually a document that that we're going to go through called the 21 rules of money. I've posted it on our blog under that heading. If you want to check it out, Um, we'll probably post it again with this, with the podcast and a video of it as well. So with that being said, I will let Miss Caitlin kick it off.
1: All right. I just have the 21 rules in front of me, so I'm just going to read them off and then we can expand if... If we need to. Yeah. Um, all right. Number one is 70, 20, 10. And what this means is that you live on 70% of your income. You invest 20% and you give away 10%. Um, and we've implemented this in our lives, but our percentages are divided out even within the 70 that we live on. And
0: it is, anything. and it's a little bit different from looking at it from the business side too, because we do the business a little bit um, differently than a 70 2010 this is what we actually consider what we take personally home. And so yeah, that's divided up that way, but it's a, it's a good rule of thumb. You will you can you will be comfortable in life if you invest 20% of your income because it's not what you make. It's what you keep. Right. And that's what one of my mentors always told me. And so you can uh make a lot of money and spend it all. We know a lot of people that do that. We've been there. Um well, and so I think it's a good rule to try to get to.
1: And with the giving away 10% we didn't start off doing that, if we're being honest, nope. because we felt like we didn't have 10 percent to give away.
0: And and we're talking about specifically for us. We talk tithing. Um, but I mean, charity, charitable contributions are a part of that. And so I think it's important that you um, it's not only maybe religious based. It is for us. But if it's not for you, I mean, I think 10 percent going to the charity of your choice is an important thing to give back the world. I do feel um, you, you get blessings back.
1: Right it's always, it's always worked out when we had a little, or when we had more, um, 10%, you know, it, it's never been a burden in our pockets. If anything, it's been a joy, um, to see how it blesses other churches and um, other organizations that we like to give to.
0: Yep. And, and I'll add also, um, for those of you out there that are doing very well financially, uh, 10% of your income may not be a struggle for you. So what I would encourage you is to look at giving 10% of your time because yep. time is money and that's more difficult for people at times than than the physical 10% monetarily.
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. All right, number 2 is if you can't buy something with cash, don't buy it with credit other than a car or real estate.
0: Yeah, and we're we're not um I'm not a Dave Ramsey fan in general because I don't think you should give blanket financial advice to the masses. He works for a very specific audience that is not necessarily um what we subscribe to. I do think that debt is debt is not a bad thing to leverage in business um because it can help you grow faster than you ever could before. Same thing with real estate. But I do believe that if you can't if it's not equipment for a business, car, house, and you really shouldn't buy it if you can't pay cash.
1: Okay. Number three is have six months of living expenses in cash, but no more than that. Um, why, why no more than that, Richard?
0: Well, and so without getting too much monetary policy for the, uh, the, the U.S. Federal Reserve, there's a lot in the news about that right now. Um, money in the bank doesn't make you any money. When we were growing up in the '80s, '90s, um, savings and loans, you could make a good chunk of money on cash sitting in the bank. Now, you also paid a good chunk of money going out in interest on mortgages and car loans, to the tune of you might have been paying 15 to 18 percent on a car loan in the '80s, but you were making eight to ten percent on a CD. So, say on a hundred thousand dollars, you were making eight to ten thousand dollars a year in interest. That's a substantial amount. Right now, a one-year CD may be yielding you half a percent to a percent. Yeah. And so it's just not the same. So I encourage people to have, a, and it, maybe that is a Dave Ramsey thing, to have an emergency fund of six months. Um, so whatever your income is, if you make $10,000 a month, have $60,000 set liquid in a savings account or a money market. That's going to draw some interest, but there's no risk to it. But I wouldn't put more than that because if you have an inflation rate of three to 5%, which we've been hovering more like two to three, but if you have any kind of inflation, you're really losing money with it being sitting there. Now you do need that set aside for emergencies, you know the ac goes out, something happens and i have to pay a deductible on insurance or you know those kind of things we have a health emergency and we need money for a surgery um to pay deductibles or whatever it may be those are what that that's for.
1: All right, number 4 is don't waste money um which seems a little bit broad but um i think i think money would be wasted um differently For people, because that doesn't necessarily mean don't enjoy a nice meal or don't um, purchase something that you really love. That's not necessarily a waste.
0: No, no, not at all. And I think that everybody's gonna be different. So when I when we talk about wasting money, if if it's not going to our faith, family, finance, fitness, um, we really need to consider what's that going to. And the more that you invest and the more that you start trying to build your finances correctly, it gets addictive. And you want to think, oh, well, I could have bought. X, Y and Z stock versus that $150 I spent on something you're not even going to keep or not going to have in six months.
1: Right. Okay. Number five is don't spend money based on emotion. Um, and there's sort of like a rule of thumb that if something traumatic happens in your life, like you lose um, a family member or something like that, you're not supposed to make any big financial uh, commitments or changes in the first year after their death. Um, because that's potentially going to be spending based on your emotion.
0: Yeah. And I would even say it's a difficult thing. So we've bought a lot of real estate in our life, um, probably most more than the average person. Um, and when you buy a rental property or an investment in income producing property, you look at the numbers and numbers aren't emotional. And so you can tell somebody, um, I know you want X amount of dollars. It's going to generate this much income for me. So I'm willing to offer you Z. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Fine, whatever. It's not emotional. I'll go to the next deal. that and The numbers work. Mm-hmm. When you're buying your own personal house, you have a tendency, well, I want this house, so I'm going to do what I have to take to get it. And we've made that mistake before. And maybe it wasn't a mistake, but we had a house that we bought, our current house, originally. It, we got a bad appraisal. I still think the house was worth more than it appraised for. Seller didn't want to budge because he wasn't emotional about it. And we took extra cl- cash to closing. Looking back, it was an emotional decision because we wanted that house.
1: But I think, I mean, that's different than, I mean, because you are going to be living in it with your family. So if it's perfect, it can maybe.
0: You get more attached to houses than I do, though. I do.
1: I do Um, love my house. But the
0: other part of it is if you're upset, don't go shopping. If you're hungry, don't go shopping. That's why they
1: say don't shop when you're hungry at the grocery store because you end up coming home with a whole bunch of junk food that you didn't need. Yep. Um all right, number six when investing your money, do your due diligence, then do it again.
0: yep, Robert kiyosaki talks about that you're gonna look at a thousand deals before you buy a house. It sounds crazy, but it's actually probably true because I can tell you that um we look at deals all the time in real estate and we look at the numbers without ever actually physically looking at the property. Um, we look at a lot before we ever pick one um even on this commercial stuff lately. Our business partner and I have sent a bunch back and forth that we really don't have any intention of buying, but we look at the numbers and say, just just face surface level, we're trying to get to a point that I can say that's a good deal or that's not right before we go any deeper. So yeah, no, due diligence is a big deal.
1: Okay. Number seven, think four generations in the future before you spend or invest your money. Will it benefit my children's children?
0: Yeah, I think that's a big one. I don't think that needs a whole lot of explanation.
1: Okay. Number 8 never carry a credit card balance unless it's at 0%. Um and in our early marriage we had a credit card balance and it was a really happy day the day that that was yeah i paid mean off, we've,
0: we we've um, been there. we've lived on credit starting businesses and that's scary mm-hmm. and the the issue with it is is it's not a small interest rate even right. even if you have perfect credit most cards are going to be minimally 13 or 14% if not 20 21
1: all right. Never have all your money in one account. Read Profit First if you have not.
0: So that's where we talk about the percentages a lot with Profit First. It's a book by Michael McWalowitz. We've talked about it um, a few times. Um, but basically, his thought process is our minds default to the easiest thing. And we've talked about that a lot, that your mind takes the path of least resistance. So he wants you to be able to log into an account and know that if your expenses are paid, that's how much money's left over. Mm-hmm. And so we do have um, it probably would throw some people off because i usually know how much is in each account but we have profit account we have an operating account we have a tax account we have a savings um and, and things go in there automatically mm-hmm. and so um if it's not in that account we don't have money to spend for that it's almost it's almost an envelope system but much more developed without cash
1: well you can't lose it yeah the envelope system scares me
0: yeah and so but yeah no it's it's okay to have those accounts and make them difficult to get to is one thing that i'll always say if you have a savings account. Don't get online access. Don't have checks on it. Don't have a debit card. Put it in a bank that you have to fix. So we go in and get money out. Yep. If you have problems with spending.
1: All right. Number nine, never have all your money in one account. Oh, nope. Sorry. We're on number 10. Never have all your money in one investment unless it's your first deal.
0: Yep. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. You want to mm-hmm. be as uh, you talk about diversification and everything.
1: Yeah. No, not all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, all right. Number 11, never spend more than you can truly afford. You have to know what you can afford.
0: Yeah. The, the second part of that's the big one. You have to know what you can afford because I've had a lot of people, um, say, well, I can afford this house according to the bank and (laughs) I can go through your finance with you and tell you, you can't afford that house because you're going to be house poor.
1: true. And
0: so, but knowing your the big thing is you have to know your numbers.
1: And Richard and I, I mean, maybe it's, not normal, but we completely have like a whole budget conversation once a month. I'm like, okay, how much is in this account now? Um, like we almost do like a debt check-in, uh, sort of a thing. And so, um, well,
0: and because I do once a month update our financial statement, mm-hmm. um, if you don't know what a financial statement is and look it up, cause I mean, you need to know if you're going to try to get into this into the arena of having good finances, I update it once a month because I want to see where we are because I've always had the mindset that if you want to be a millionaire, Mm -hmm. you have to know where you're starting. If you want to lose 30 pounds, you have to get on the scale. So if you don't know how much you owe, how much you have, what your equity is, you have no literacy on it to make decisions. True.
1: All right. Number 12 is don't spend money solely to impress others. The Joneses are broke. You just don't know it. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, number 13, make sure the reward always outweighs the risk.
0: And there's always going to be risk with anything that you do, especially in business or real estate or, you know, a lot of the things we do. But I also, uh, when I first got into real estate investing, I had family that was like, that's risky. Mm-hmm. That's what happens if it doesn't work out. Well, it, here's the deal to me. Real estate investing is one of the least risky things you can do because you have a physical, tangible asset that is income-producing. Everybody's going to need a place to live as long as you buy it right. And that goes back to knowing your numbers and those kind of things. Because it doesn't matter if the house goes up and down value 20%. If you put down 20%, you're never going to be underwater on it, and it's also going to produce income. And so to me, um, you always have to know that. But some people think things are risky that really aren't. Even just
1: being an entrepreneur, starting a business, is is the potential reward um, better than the risk it's going to take you. Now, does that mean you're never going to fail? No, you can fail. And so there's the risk portion, but, um, does it have the potential to pay off better? Yeah.
0: Um, and I will just say it, I'll give us a little plug because it's coming out. Um, Caitlin and I wrote a large check yesterday to start the live It full apparel line and there's risk associated. Y'all may not buy anything from us. (laughs) And that's, you you know, that's the risk that we take, that we might end up with a whole bunch of merchandise that we get to wear the next 20 years. But, you know, we think that that risk, the reward outweighs the risk on that potential.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Number 14, treat your money as if you worked hard for it, even if you didn't.
0: That's a that's an important one. You Mm -hmm. always are a little more stingy with your own money. Absolutely. I mean, even look at kids. I always go back to the mindset of children when I'm thinking about things Uh, You give a kid $20, they'll spend it. They earn $20, they're a lot less likely to spend it. Yep,
1: for sure. Um, Never work for the same dollar twice.
0: What do you think that means to you, Kaylin? You're
1: supposed to be answering. Oh,
0: I'm supposed to be answering, though. What that means is if you do diligence and you understand what you're doing, you shouldn't have to do the same thing twice. To make the same money.
1: Right. An example would be somebody that like, um, created some program on, uh, and you could buy it like a PDF or something. They did the work, they did the background, they spent the money, um, on the one PDF. And so the money that they're going to get from that, they can just keep selling the same PDF. They don't have to do that again to make money off of that same thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Number 16 is manage and adapt your budget monthly.
0: That's a pretty simple one, but it's important. And and if you're struggling with finances, I would tell you even weekly in the beginning.
1: Definitely. Uh, know your numbers. This is most people's biggest issue.
0: Like I said, I'll repeat it. If you want to lose weight, you got to know where you start. If you want to be a millionaire, you got to know what your balance is right now. Yep.
1: Number 18, if it sounds too good to be true, it is trust me.
0: Yeah. Um, And I'm not jumping on the crypto bandwagon on some things just yet. Um, I'm not saying there's not validity there. And I do understand it a lot better than I did even a month ago. Um, But there's times out there if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe this is a story for another time, but we had a a debt consolidation issue like this one time. But anyway, we'll...
0: Oh yeah. That's been like 15 years ago. It wasn't great. We
1: can, we can expand on that at a later time. Don't don't trust companies. It sounded really good to be true. And it was, um, all right. Number 19, inform yourself of how taxes work and pay accordingly. Get a good CPA. Yeah.
0: I, you, you would be shocked with how many business owners I speak with, um, on a consulting basis that don't have a CPA. They have a bookkeeper and they may have somebody in house, um, and they're filing their own taxes. And I can just tell I'm not going to give uh, financial advice on accounting because I'm not an accountant. But surface level, they were missing a lot of opportunities to avoid taxes. Mm -hmm. Tax avoidance is legal. Mm -hmm. Tax evasion is not.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, And throughout the years, you've learned a whole lot. But it's still... It does
0: help when you have a business partner that's a CPA that you can just ask questions to. But, I mean, it. even just understanding... Things like Section 179 of doing advanced asset depreciation on equipment, whether it's a vehicle or or an actual piece of equipment. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you're going to need to buy something anyways. doesn't make sense to do it. The government basically incentivizes you to buy stuff because they'll give you tax breaks on doing it.
1: All right. Number 20, never rely on just one source of income. The average millionaire has seven. And we're working. We're working yeah. toward and, our... Seven streams. And
0: the caveat I give on that is don't do seven things poorly though. Right. Make sure that you have a core set of income that brings it in consistently that you're not going to sacrifice by trying to chase other things because you can get in that, that dog chasing its tail, trying to get mm-hmm. streams of income just for the sake of having them. When if you'd have put the effort and focused on your primary business or job, you would have made more money. Right. <clears throat> But I think it's important, and and I would think that a lot of those need to be passive. Yeah, uh,
1: the last one, number twenty one, and perhaps the most important is spend your time earning money until you can spend your money earning time. And I think that that's kind of a sum of what live at full means. To yeah, freedom. Us. Freedom.
0: I mean, um, Warren Buffett said at least it's attributed to him. I'll probably get a fact checker out there telling me that Warren Buffett did not say this. Um, I got one of those on Instagram the other day. How does Instagram, they can't catch all these bots that comment on stuff, but they can see that I posted a picture that with an Ann Rand quote and then said, Ann Rand didn't say that. I mean, within like three seconds, pretty amazing. It's kind of scary, but I think Warren Buffett had said that if you're, if um, you're not making money while you're asleep, you'll be working your entire life. Like you have to have something that's generating income, Around the clock, which that could be. There's a lot of things you can get into, and I don't want to. I want to be leery of giving investment advice or coming across that way. But you can look at a lot of things that generate passive, uh, relatively passive income. There's no such thing as passive income unless you uh, inherit an oil lease or mineral rights. I mean, that's one of the few things I think is actual mailbox money. Um, But to actually, you know, real estate's not passive. I mean, it's it is in, in a lot of ways, but you're still dealing with it. Even if you're an investor, there's still diligence and there's still things to do. Um, but there are definitely things that are more passive than others. And so we hope that you, uh, we hope you got a little bit out of this. Like I said, I'll post this actual list. Um, I'll put a PDF of it up on live Um, that way you can check it out. We'll post this, uh, obviously on our podcast and on our YouTube channel, um, probably on Instagram TV as well as usually what we do. So if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up at infotlivitfool.com. At at Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. We are actually our Facebook and Instagram are now at the real Live It Fool. And on TikTok, we're Live It Fool. Um, you can find us there, take a screenshot, uh, leave us a five-star review, share it with all your friends, put it in your stories because we want to try to help everybody else. Live it full.
1: You just listened to this entire episode. That means you gain some type of value. So make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Live It Full.
0: Living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a
1: purpose. Make sure you embrace every single day. And we'll see you next time on the Live It Full Podcast.